This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Anatomy of Sex. I'm your host, Melanie Studley. And if you're new to the show, normally there is someone else here, my husband, Seth Studley. But today is his birthday and he is out hunting and I wanted him to just have a really good time. So it's a solo episode today. Um, the topic is loving your husband by sharing your body. And listen, I hate the name of this and I wrote the name of this. So we're going to have a good conversation about this. This came to mind with a, like from an amalgamation of a bunch of different things. And if you know me well, like ladies and women's group coaching, you're going to die when I tell you like what made me think about this and why it even came about. Um, but so today is Seth's birthday. So last night I loved Seth by sharing my body, like no, no hiding that. Um, and that's a thing I do on purpose. It's a thing I do because I love my husband. Um, it's not a thing he needs to ask for. Um, and I just think it's, it's, there's so much power in this, like so much love and power and kindness and all the things wrapped up in that now again, but the other side of it, which I think is just so funny as again, in women's group coaching, we've been talking about this book, this book, masculine in relationship, which I started and then got so mad about that I couldn't finish, but I'm not a quitter. And I'm like, I'll finish it in due time. Like I will start reading it again. Cause I don't, I don't diminish other people's work like that. I don't say like, well, that book sucked. I'm not gonna read it. Cause I know that there's something valuable in there because clients of ours and friends of ours are like, oh, that actually, that book helped me a ton. And so I was like, okay, I need to like start over, do it again, redo the book. I will do this little caveat. I hate how he talks about women, how he says your woman. That feels so um, demoralizing and weird. Like it feels icky to me. Now, GS Youngblood, don't get mad at me. I'm not, I ain't trying to throw no shade because listen, I'm gonna talk about that. It's good later, but I don't like that. I don't appreciate it. Don't respect it. I do not want my husband calling me that. I don't think it's cool, fun or fair or good, but he talks about, um, essentially as the, the part of the book that I'm getting into, he is now talking about the sensitive side of men that is sort of like hidden from the world, from society, all of that. Oh, also I have to mention too, I just finished the book for the love of men. Uh, as well. So there's like all these, oh, and I finished the book, uh, This Is How Your Marriage Ends, which is a lot about men. So I'm reading all these books about men and trying to understand the masculine side, the masculine perspective. And G.S. Youngblood's book, Masculine in Relationship, is helping me understand the sort of connection of sexual intimacy and helping sort of essentially build up your husband's uh, I, I don't know. Confidence. That sounds weird. Sounds weird. If you don't understand what I'm talking about and you haven't read these books, you're going to be like, what the total F are you talking about? But I'll explain it more as I go. But I just think it's hilarious that like beginning to finish this book, the masculine in relationship, which at first I just thought was just the worst and I hated beginning the process of finishing that book has helped enlighten me and open my eyes up to some things that I didn't understand in the past. And so you're going to, you're going to hear some of that, um, sort of like echoed through this episode. Again, I'm, I also finished, this is how your marriage ends by Matthew Frey and, uh, for the love of men by Liz Plank, I think is her name. So anyway, I just wanted to share like how I got to this episode, why I got to this idea of like loving your husband for, by sharing your body. 
Um, but before we dive into the points of this episode, I have to do a giganto caveat. This um, episode does not apply to um, the wives who are married to husbands who are total D-bags. Doesn't apply to you. So if your husband's a D-bag and he's mean to you, he's unkind to you, he's unloving to you, like he actively is abusive to you or gross or mean to you, it does not apply. So please do not hear this stuff and be like, oh, I should do this thing for my husband if he's a total D-bag. Nope, doesn't deserve it. You have to earn this. Um, it also does not apply to abusive partners. I said most of these things, but like a-holes, D-bags, and abusers, it does not apply to you. And if you're listening to this episode and you turn around and try to share this with your wife as a way to get her to have sex with you, that means you're a D-bag, an abuser, and an a-hole. Love ya. <laughs> so anyway... That doesn't apply. If you like literally try to weaponize this episode, you fall into the ca the category of the caveat and it doesn't apply to you. You need to go to counseling. So anyway, into the points that I wanted to talk about. So uh, again, loving your husband by sharing your body. So as I've been reading these books and listening to, I listen to audiobooks. I find it much easier and I can clean while I read, but I've been listening to like G.S. Youngblood and Liz Plank and Matthew Frey talking about all these different elements of masculinity and all these different sort of like insights that I'm gaining. And uh, Liz Plank's book for the love of men has a lot of stat, uh, sorry, data and statistics has a lot of information in it. And she, I think is a journalist and a gender studies major. And so she brings a lot of like this really, really insightful wisdom to the book for the love of men. And one of the things that struck me again, after having like given Seth the gift of my body, as weird as that sounds. Actually, it doesn't sound weird at all to me because I know my body's a gift. But after doing that with Seth and waking up this morning and thinking about it, um, a couple of the things that she said really stood out to me and I wanted to say them as sort of a, a way to encourage you, wife, if you feel like your husband, if you feel like this is something that applies to your marriage. Now, listen, if you're married and you're like, this doesn't apply to me, I don't need to do this. Um, make sure it also doesn't apply to your spouse. So like, make sure you're on the same page about that, but also it doesn't need to apply to you. Like if your sex life is great and your husband feels great and you feel great, then fine. Like you don't need these things, I guess. But, um, if, if you feel like, you know, you're both not satisfied in the sexual interaction, your husband's not satisfied, you're not satisfied, or it's like strained in some way, like it's not enough or it's never great. Or there's like this weird tension then this episode may be really, really helpful for you. Um, so one of the things that Liz Plank talked about in the book For the Love of Men was the statistics around and the information around how men are just like never touched. And she used a case study. I think it was, it, um, I can, I'm going to mess it up because I don't remember the actual like information part of it. But the general concept was that there was a transgender, I'm going to say it all wrong. So someone that was born as a woman, turned into a man and then was living their life as a male, right? And this person said, like right out of the gate, they're like, they lost their mother, I think, after they had transitioned to becoming a man. I don't know the right terms to use, so forgive me. My brain just doesn't hold that information well. Um, it's not a slight. I just can't remember, and I'll say it wrong. So uh, this person now presenting as a man and living as a man uh, was saying that their mom died and they were like, immediately everyone did like three huge things to this person presenting as a man. They did not hug him. Like they didn't like console and touch him 
in the way they would have when he was a woman, right? Now, again, forgive me if I'm saying the like he, she part of it wrong. I'm not trying to. I just don't know how to do it right. But um, th- this person was saying like, in the past, if this would have happened and I was still a woman, I would have been hugged and held and like allowed to cry and, and, you know, sort of like the cry on my shoulder vibes and it's okay. I'm here for you vibes. But that was not present after their transition. And what's interesting is that this person was even saying that people were making an active effort to honor the fact that this person was presenting as masculine. So they, they like made it a more of a point to be like, well, men don't cry, men don't hug. So we're not going to hug you. We're not like it. Well, there wasn't sort of like wiggle room of like, Oh, well maybe you still want this, even though you present as this, it was like, Nope, black and white. This is what men do. Women do that. Men do this. So we're not hugging. We're not consoling. We're not crying. We're not doing whatever. Um, and also too, there was less conversation around like, how are you feeling? And more just immediately, what are you doing? Are you the, like, like are the executor, is that what it's called of her estate or whatever? Like, what are the next steps that you need to do to sort of get through the, the actual like business end of a death of a parent? Right. And so this person was explaining how sad that was and how they like essentially lost this enormous secure, not security, but like this enormous uh, community ability to touch and to hug and to express. It was just gone by the fact that they transitioned from being a female into a male. And so again, why am I bringing this up? Why am I bringing up that story in the loving your husband by sharing your body thing? And one of the reasons is that men are hardly ever touched, like ever, 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 ever. And if they are touched by someone, there's a lot of suspicion going on. Like, what the hell are you doing? Touching somebody, right? But women touch all the time. Um, I notice this as the more I, the more I develop sort of myself and the more I do women's group coaching, the more likely I am to touch someone's arm while I talk to them, to side hug them and chat and to hug. Like it's just a part of my nature and the healthier I become, the more I touch people. Um, and men are not allowed to touch anyone pretty much there. And even now the way that, uh, society is like men extra can't like even lovingly and kindly like touch a kid. That would be just terrible. Right. And that is a deficit to men. Um, Seth mentioned when he went to Dubai, he went to Dubai by himself a couple years ago. And he said like for, I don't know how many days it was, there was no touch and there was mostly no talking either because everything was in a different language. And he said it was the most isolating and like sad he had ever felt. Although he was accomplishing this really awesome, fun thing, he wasn't being touched and he wasn't being talked to. And so again, like really, and women, I want you to look at this this way. And this might be like a weird side tangent, whatever. I don't care. I'm here for it. Um, Your body is amazing. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what shape it is, what color it is, what size it is, what anything, any of it. I don't care. It's amazing. And you're amazing. And there's no wonder that your husband wants to touch it and see it and smell it and taste it and all the things like there's no wonder. So stop wondering, stop worrying for him. If he wants it, he wants it. Right. Um, Now, There are lots of side things that make men not know how to ask for sex or not know how to approach sex in a healthy way. But at the end of the day, it is not because of your body. Okay. I just want to like throw that out there. Um, But again, number one is that men are almost never touched. That is an expression that is reserved for marriage. So it is an empowering, loving, and bold move to decide to do that touching and like allowing your husband to touch you. Again, consensual, no a-holes, d-bags or abusers allowed. 
Um, but there is like a, an amazing amount of love wrapped up in that process. Um, number two, men need an opportunity to be vulnerable with someone. Um, you want it to be you, right? You don't want them to be vulnerable with like the dentist or the chick who cuts his hair, right? You're not here for that. But men need that opportunity. And sex is one of the great ways that men can be vulnerable. Men can be um, soft, relaxed, open, um, unafraid, unwhatever. But they can't be if you're always denying them sex, if you've made sex a power trip where you're like, you can't get it unless you've done like the 390 million things on the checklist and you said nice things to me all day, every day. Like if you have made sex um, something unattainable and unpleasurable from a biopsychosocial spiritual lens, then they cannot be vulnerable with you. Um, that is a way that I have seen many, many clients uh, make their bed, what is it called? Bed death. They kill their sex life by not allowing one for their husbands to be vulnerable with them as it pertains to sex, but two, also making it like a trap. Like it's a trap. If you don't do all these things, then you lose sex like that. And that's not okay. It's not great. It's not ideal. Now I've been there. I've done that stuff too, Seth. Um, but I decided that I was done having bad sex and that's my motto. I don't have bad sex. Um, so I don't know. There's just so much to say, but men need the opportunity. And again, I want you women hear me. This is me saying this Melanie who like I'm mad at everything half the time. I need you to see that you are the gateway to vulnerability to your husband. And if someone else becomes that gateway, look out. Like, I know that sounds weird, but look out. I once had a client say to me, she was deeply deliberating and debating on whether or not she should just allow her husband to have sex with other women because she didn't want to have sex with him. And I said, well, tell me, like, what are your thoughts? Why would that be a problem? If you literally refuse to have sex with him, why is it such a big deal that he has sex with somebody else? You want to know what she said? She said, because she will, he'll fall in love with them. She literally said, he can't have sex with someone else because he'll fall in love with them. What does that mean? What does that mean about the power of sex to men? And now I'm not even saying that only men are wired this way. There are many, many women who are wired this way. But also, what does it say about this lady? Like, I'm willing to make him just suffer and never have sex because I don't want him to love someone else, but I can actively not love him. And that's fair. It's not fair. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So men need a place to be vulnerable and to be open and to be like seen and loved, all the things, all the things that women want, men want that too. And it just so happens that the avenue that is sort of wired into them slightly more than women is the body, is sex, is touch. And we're designed that way. And I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think that it's something that we should come to terms with and figure out what we think about it. And like think really complexly about it. I actually just heard Ryan Mickler of Order of Man podcast. I was listening to a podcast that he did recently. And he was talking about, um, it was like a Friday field notes, I think he calls them. And I was just listening to it like upstairs yesterday. And he talked about this idea that like 
it's not a bug in the system that men and women are wired differently. It's a feature. And I really loved how he worded that. I just thought it was really great because I think a lot of times women are trying to get men to think the way that they think and men, I don't even know if they care about it, but women are always trying to like manipulate it to be like, why doesn't he see it how I see it? And Ryan's point was that's not supposed to be how it works. Like if we saw things the same way, we wouldn't need each other. And so I don't know, there's a lot to say in the fact that if you want opportunities to be vulnerable and seen and, and like loved, but you're not going to give them to your husband and you're the person who can give them to your husband. Well, that ain't going to work sister. Uh, number three, men benefit from sexual release, like plain and simple. There's not much more to say about that, but I'm, I'm going to say more. Um, but I think that, I mean, okay, listen, we work with clients. We work with couples. We work with couples who have not had sex for years and the men are going insane. The wives don't typically don't care. They're just irritated that the husbands are like pursuing them, which I find very challenging. Like you have this man who loves you and he's trying to make it work and he's spending literally thousands of dollars and sometimes tens of thousands because they've been in therapy for so long, right? So you have this man pursuing you. You have a man pursuing a healthy relationship, not just maritally, but like for your children and for your future and for your kids' future and for their, their your grandkids, right? You have this person pursuing you and you're actively like, well, I don't care. It's just whatever. I don't want them to touch me. I don't like this. It's stupid. Why should I have to? And it's like, hold the phone, lady. Um, I don't understand that. But also, men really, really, really do benefit from all of the chemicals that happen in a sexual encounter with their wife, with the person they love, with the person that they signed on to do life with. Now, I want to talk about that for a second. If you got married and you invited people to your wedding and you like ha said vows and stuff, like a vow, like a thing you promised, you see me making this face at you. Oh yeah, this is a YouTube show too. If you want to watch it on YouTube, you can see the faces I make. They're great. There's slightly less because I get Botox, like loads and loads of Botox, but I make loads of faces. So if you made a promise to your spouse and you said, I will vow to be here with you like in sickness and in health and in for richer or for poor or whatever your vows were, except you're like, Ooh, I don't know, that sex stuff. I don't need it. Sorry. And you just like sass your way out of having sex with your husband over and over and over. And you don't see how damaging that is and how like, Oh, breaking a vow that is, uh, I want you to wake up. I want you to wake up to what that's going to do to your marriage. It's going to do to your kids. I mean, that will have a huge impact. Now, I am not saying if you have an abuser, D-bag, a-hole husband that you just should have sex with them because that's what you're supposed to do and that's what they ask you for and that's what the Bible says. Like, one, it doesn't. But um, that's not what I mean. This is a whole different thing. This is like looking at the person that you vowed to spend the rest of your life with and being like, man, they could use an orgasm. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be nice for them. It'd be nice for me, but it'd be nice for them. You can give that to them. I don't think it's unfair. I don't think it's gross or weird or unkind. And if you do feel like it's unfair, it's gross, it's weird or unkind, go to therapy, talk it through. Sometimes we isolate ourselves. We pull away from our partner for a myriad of reasons. And none of them actually end up being true. They end up being like weird little things that we did as a coping mechanism for a time. And it worked for a season, but now it's actually stopping our marriage from, from thriving. So again, men benefit from sexual release just like women do. There's all sorts of, um, actually for men, I don't, I don't know if it's uh, the same for women, but I know that after an orgasm that, uh, what is it called? It's prolactin, I think, is released, which is the bonding chemical, people. 
Prolactin, I believe, is what is released when you nurse a baby. So if you've been a mom and had uh, the privilege and honor of nursing a little kiddo, it sucks at first, but after a while, it's like the best. And I remember, especially with Hattie, because Hattie was the best nurser of all. She was the nicest of my children. And um, when she would nurse, it was like, I could not have felt more love if I tried. My heart was going to like explode into 9 million pieces of love because this little kid was nursing and I had all this prolactin release. It wasn't just, oh, I love her like without chemicals. No, it was like, I love you and chemicals of love and, you know, like connection chemicals. So listen, people, ladies, women, men, this is what happens after you have an orgasm with your partner, actually with anybody, but you want it to be with your partner because you release prolactin. You release these like, I care about you chemicals. So do it on purpose. You can do that on purpose as a gift to your partner, like because you love them. And oh yeah. Oh, because you also vowed to love them forever. Side note. Um, Number four, loving sex with your husband is his version of proof that you truly love him. And I know that sounds weird, but men also, so, okay, listen, women have all these requirements and I'm, I'm literally just got sidetracked because I'm thinking about when I was speaking at the men's badass husband mastermind event this last summer. And I did a thing about sex and intimacy with all the husbands. And it was so sad, sad as in like heartbreaking. I asked them like, what do you think I'm going to tell you in this session? That's how I opened it. I said, what do you think? Literally, what do you think I am going to tell you about sex and intimacy as I'm sitting here with all these husbands? And they looked at me and they're like, you're probably going to tell us to do the dishes more that chores equal love that like flowers matter and like nice words matter. And then I, and then I continued to just ask them more questions. I love doing workshop vibe type things like that versus just like speaking to people. And I ask them why I can't remember, like, why do they struggle with sex and intimacy or whatever? And the prevailing answer was we're not good at it. So like the collective male species isn't good at sex. We're not good at blah, blah, blah. And they listed all these things. Everybody listening to me, listen to what they said. They listed only the requirements of women in relationship to sex. So almost every single answer that they said was, well, we're not good at like, I don't even know, uh, flirting or foreplay or whatever. Therefore we're bad at sex. And that literally hurt my feelings. Like we're one. And now this is going to feel real weird for one split second. Hang in with me. I have two sons who will one day be men who will one day, hopefully have wives that they love and adore. I do not want my sons to think that their natural instinct and inclinations in intimacy are bad and wrong. Right? Like, I don't want that for them. I don't want that for my husband and I don't want that for your husband. That's not fair. It's not kind. It's not good. So why, why would I, why am I talking about that in the sentence, loving sex with your husband is a ver- his version of proof that you truly love him. I heard it over and over and over again that like, again, the language around this whole conversation was so crazy because it's like allowing, it's like, I'm almost like if men do all the right things, they can win sex with their wives. And that is not, I don't believe how it is meant to be like biblically speaking. I don't think we're wired that way. It's, it should not be like the women hold the keys to everything while men believe that they're the dominant species. And then it's this weird like war all the time. I just don't think that that's good or fair or right. And men need proof that they're worthy 
that they're loved, that they're great, that you love them, that you choose them. Charmander. I couldn't not. Okay. I choose you. I can't. Squirtle. <laughs> Those are like the two. But I guess Pikachu, I know. Mew- Mewtooth. Any um, Pokemon fans out there? But anyway, this is one of the main ways that husbands and men in society are taught that they have, that they're worthy. I want you to hear that. So women can be taught and told and and convinced or whatever that they're worthy by things like equal pay in the workplace or uh, being able to wear pants or having a pocket that their hand can fit in. Um, and men really do get the message like, I am unworthy if I cannot win or earn or gain or whatever, like this physical affection from my partner or this or my girlfriend or whatever. No, I'm not saying that that's fair or right or good. I want to change that narrative for culture, for society, for my own sons and, you know, and for my daughter. I don't want anyone to live under that, like that your merit is gained or earned through if you were able to sleep with somebody. Um, that's not what I'm wanting, but as it stands right now, that is one of the ways that like Seth is wired culturally to see his value. Now I want to slowly untie that, untangle that and separate it out for him because I don't think that that's healthy for him. Um, and now it's not going to be a problem for him because I, I have vowed to have sex with him. Like it's a, it's in our Power Couple Planner, you guys. That's the reason I made it. The reason I made the Power Couple Planner, which will be available soon-ish once we get it done and designed. Um, but the reason it has intimacy scheduled into it, like as a every single week activity, right? If not every week, at least every other week-ish, um, unless you've got some sort of medical condition, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the reasons that it's in there as a, like a, what's the word? It's in there as a practice, like sex is in the power couple planner as a practice. And it's, it's designed that way so that I can begin to uncouple Seth's sense of worth from if he has sex or not. Make sense? I know that's a little bit weird. It's a little bit uh, confusing sounding maybe, but I don't want his sense of self to be attached to whether or not we have sex. I want him to know I love you and will show up for you sexually every single week, probably twice a week at a minimum, because I love you. It's not, it's not, you didn't have to earn it. Like you, you earned it by being you. Um, also caveat, he's not an a-hole, he's not an abuser and he's not a D-bag. So he did earn it. Um, now, number five, it will help you to not isolate from your partner if you can do a sexual practice regularly. Now, what on earth do I mean by that? So I just listened to this, um, I think it was a podcast interview with one of my many boyfriends, Jordan Peterson, and he was talking about this study called the Antisocial Boys Study. And it was done, I think, in like the 40s. And there was like a camp where they, where they created a camp for antisocial boys because they were like, these kids are like not, they're not doing right. They're not connecting with their peers. We need to fix this. So what they, what they did was they're like, oh, we know what we'll do. We'll take a bunch of pro-social boys, so kids, boys who have normal social behaviors, they interact with people, they're outgoing, they're fun, they're blah. We'll take those, we'll make a camp of those boys, and then we'll grab these antisocial boys and we'll plop them into the camp with the pro-social boys. And it should be fine, right? Like wipe your hands of it, everyone's social now. Um, but they found out that the opposite was true. 
that antisocial tendencies are stronger than pro-social tendencies. So hear my words, peeps. Withdrawing is an antisocial trait, like pulling away from stuff, not doing new things, isolating yourself. Those are antisocial traits. Now, okay, I know that I'm overlaying this into the intimacy world, and I hope that's not confusing. Um, it's not confusing to me, but I, I hope it's not confusing. Like, deeply hope it is clear and you understand why I'm telling you this, because I see this pattern in women, mostly women. Um, again, this is just from the the pool of things I've studied and read, but also clients I've worked with and my own behavior uh, and the behavior of my family at large. So the tendency to pull away to uh, sort of like poo-poo ideas and not go out of your comfort zone, that tendency leads to more isolation. It does not ever, 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 ever on God's green earth lead to, oh, and then I just was like, yeah, I totally want to have sex because I've been avoiding you for six months. Duh. It doesn't lead to that. It doesn't work that way. So why I'm saying if you schedule into your schedule uh, intimacy on a regular basis, and you push through your desire or sort of like feeling of, well, I don't want to do this. So I'll just go sit and watch Netflix or I'll go hide and read in my room or I'll go take a bath for 18 hours or I'll whatever. Like if you can push through and build your frustration tolerance around withdrawing and toward intimacy with your spouse, you can break yourself of the cycle of antisocial behavior that ends up in bed death right? Which just means you don't have sex. That's like an actual clinical term, bed death, which is very hard to say. because I always want to say deathbed, but that's not the same thing. Um, so again, number five, if you can love your husband by sharing your body and consistently do this and make it a practice as in every week, every month, at least I say twice a week at a minimum. Uh, and, and again, I'm not, that's not a hard and fast rule. So don't like be all weird at me. <laughs> Come at me, bro, but don't. Uh, but if you can create this as a practice, you will help yourself avoid pulling away sexually, which almost always, I mean, I can, I could say always, but I don't want to pretend that it never, ever, ever doesn't turn out the other way, but pulling is pulling away sexually pretty much always ends in, well, we never have sex. Well, we might as well get divorced. Who even freaking cares anymore? It's, it makes people miserable. And I understand this at a, like a core level because my family's sort of, what is the word? My family's sort of go-to coping mechanism is isolation and withdrawal. It's just don't do it. Don't go. Cancel the thing. Don't go to the orchestra concert. Don't see that band. Don't hear the thing. Don't go to that new, just don't, just don't. It's gross. It's weird. It's bad. Just don't. That's like the echo that reverberates through my entire family of origin is it's don't, it's don't, it's bad. It's weird. It's gross. It'll cost money. It's not worth it. And so now overlay that into the intimacy realm where it's vulnerable, it's challenging. Sometimes you don't want to, sometimes you don't feel great. Sometimes you're pissed, whatever. Like, why wouldn't we just, well, don't, it's bad, it's gross. Oh, don't. Why wouldn't we just do that? Well, because the trend is that antisocial behavior leads to more antisocial behavior and you don't want that for your marriage. I don't want that for my marriage. So I work hard and make it a practice to show up sexually for my marriage. And as I have said before, I do not have bad sex. So if I'm going to show up sexually, I'm going to show up awesome and sexually right now. That doesn't mean I'm doing weird, freaky stuff. Don't be like that. People, you can have amazing, amazing sex without crazy, weird crap. And I'm, I'm saying that as a point of purpose, because I think, um, a little bit of the, like, what is it? The hedonic 
oh, what's it called? It's got a thing. But like this idea that like crazy stuff leads to crazier stuff leads to crazier stuff. I am not an advocate of adding crazy stuff into your bedroom. That's not, I don't push that. I don't like it. I am the last person to be like, yeah, I want to have my kids see my crazy stuff on accident when they're rifling through my drawer. No, I don't want that. And so I don't bring that into my home. And what's amazing, it's kind of like um, when you realize that yoga is one of the hardest things possible and it has no equipment. You don't even need a mat. You can do it like anywhere at any time ever. And like really practice yogis are so freaking um, like strong and in all the ways, like biopsychosocial, spiritually strong. It's like that. Like you don't need, <laughs> oh, I just want to be foul. You don't need like, you know, 900 inch long dildos. And I don't even know. I was just trying to be inappropriate, but you don't need those things to have an amazing sexual experience with your partner um, and to show up like really vibrantly sexually for your marriage. Uh, so again, I'm going to go over those really quickly. The five reasons that I believe that loving your husband by sharing your body is important is that uh, men hardly ever get touched and they don't have an outlet for like physical expression. They need opportunities to be vulnerable with someone that they love. Again, that um, prolactin release is so important. Men benefit from sexual release. Like they benefit their anxiety, their stress levels. They feel loved, like all those things. Men benefit. Number four, um, it's his proof. It is, again, unfortunately right now, that's how we measure this. Metric is measured by like, did I score? No, we don't like that language, but you get the point. So it, it, it can actually be the way your husband understands that you love him is by sharing your body with him. And then it will help you not isolate yourself sexually in your marriage. I, again, that is like vitally important. That's why I put it on the list. Um, now I'm going to share five reasons why this is challenging to do before we wrap up. Um, number one reason that this is hard to do and why it's hard to like share your body sexually with your partner as a woman sometimes is that men can be immature turnoffs. Again, you heard me state, and it is on my list, that I am recording this alone because I didn't want to hear the stupid jokes that Seth had to say. Now, Seth, I love you. I know it's your birthday and you're hunting. I hope you get a deer or an elk or whatever season we're in. But I absolutely am tired and done and like triple done with all the sex jokes, the like everything turning into a joke as if you're my 13-year-old kid. My 13-year-old doesn't even joke like that. My 14-year-old doesn't either. And I don't appreciate it. And I'm tired of it. And it makes me think of, again, like uh, now, this is going to sound really unkind. And I love these people, so I'm not trying to sound unkind. My husband has a group of friends that he has grown up with forever. They've been friends since they were like six. And every time you get together, and these are adult men, like approaching 40, late 40s, 50s, and they're talking about penises and vaginas like it's the funniest crap they've ever heard. And at some point, it stops being funny. I think to most women, it stops being funny ooh, like decades earlier than it stopped being funny for men. So men, I encourage you. Again, number one on my why this is hard to do, why it's hard to share your body with your husband sometimes is that men can be immature turnoffs. Now, not all men are like this. So please, men... Do not hear me saying that you're an immature idiot. I'm not saying that. I know that all men are not wired this way. Um, but I do find it extremely unattractive when men do this. Now, I'm going to say this. In any, um, what is it, 007? What is that? What is 007? He's a guy. James Bond. In any James Bond movie, have you ever seen James Bond be like, oh, stick it in? Have you? No, in any Indiana Jones film, has Indiana Jones ever 
made a pervy joke like that, that sounds like a 13 year old is making it. No. And these are sexy, sexy folk, right? These men are sexy dudes. They put out a sexy vibe. Men know that they're sexy. This is nothing new, but I want you to, to like really see these men don't make those jokes. If they did, their character would change immediately. And all of a sudden they're someone else. They're not James Bond. They are not Indiana Jones. They are a different character entirely in the plot. You see what I'm saying? They're the stupid dopey sidekick. That's who they become. I can't think of a single sidekick. So they're that though. Um, so that's number one reason why this is hard to do is that men can be immature and it's a super huge turnoff. Number two, women have been told that we should give up our body to our husbands who are a-holes and a-holes who are not even our husbands have told us to do this, like pervs in the church, a-holes in the church. There's a-holes everywhere. And they have told us to do this and they can go eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> Excuse me. Pardon my, nope, I'm not even going to be sorry for it. I'm not sorry for it at all. Um, but we've been told this by people who are not kind and do not have our best, best interests at heart. And we have to learn how to decipher that and sort of like pull that knot apart and fix it for ourselves. Because just because some a-hole told you that you should do some Mark Driscoll told you, yeah, hashtag I went to Mars Hill said to you, you should be doing this. And if you're not, you're in sin and you should go to what I was going to say confessional, but that's Catholic. Um, if you've been told this by an a-hole that you need to be giving your body to your husband, regardless of blah, blah, blah then you have every right to feel frustrated and not want to do this. Of course you do. That's an injury. It's not cool. But I just want to highlight that. Like, I want to highlight it because if it's something that your husband is not doing, he's not being the a-hole, but this other person was in your past, make sure you're not unintentionally taking the a-holism of this person and overlaying it onto your marriage and then having your actual marriage suffer, right? Or your intimacy suffer. The third reason is um, you've suffered abuse. Like it's a big deal to have any type of sexual trauma in your history. And men, I don't know if this is said enough directly to men. Um, maybe it is. I don't know, but I'm saying it anyway. Um, it is a deeply uh, vulnerable act physically to have sex as a woman, like as a female. It, again, I talked about this in the past, but like your lady bits are inside of you. So like it's, it's scary. Everything's inside. It's, you can't see it. You can't see if it's messed up. If it hurts, you don't know where you can't point at it. You got to show a doctor what you're going to do. It's very vulnerable and very scary. And if you have been abused, it's about 10 million times scarier and 10 million times more vulnerable. I'm saying this because if your spouse has any, any sexual abuse, even if you think it's mild, even if you think it shouldn't be a big deal, you need to, I would highly recommend go to therapy. I would also highly recommend if you've ever forced or like even try to coerce your wife into sex with you and she has an abuse history, you need to apologize the F out of it because you need to address that that was not okay, that she has this injury, this wound, even if it's like, you know, happened a million years ago. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If your partner has been abused, sexually, it, all of this is different. All of it is more challenging. So I just wanted to like bring that up. Um, because if this is something we're not addressing, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it has to be addressed. Um, the th fourth reason why this is challenging to love your husband by sharing your body is that our husbands sometimes don't attune to us, right? Uh, the last thing that I want to do, especially if Seth is being a D bag, which he is sometimes just FYI. 
the last thing I want to do is give my body to him, share it with him. Like, I mean, I don't, why would I want to do that if he's not attuning to me and he's not listening and he's not being kind and he's not being loving. And there are times, cause we're all humans when, uh, I can, I know that I can be absolutely unloving to Seth and he can be unloving to me. So why would I want to actively give my body and share my body with someone who's being a total jerk? Like, I'm not going to want to do that. So I'm, again, I'm only bringing it up because I want to highlight where there are like pitfalls and challenges within this process. Again, if the, if the thing that's stopping you from being intimate with your partner is the fact that they don't attune to you, that gives us a clue as to where we can start with our therapy or our coaching or our counseling, right? Attunement. If it's stopping you from having intimacy consistently, that means we need to fix the attunement, not the intimacy. We need to fix, we need to go up river quite a bit and fix the thing up here. That's stopping the desire to share your body with your spouse. Um, the last one is number five. It's just hard to do. It's hard. There's a lot of cultural, social baggage that is wrapped up in um, sex and intimacy, especially in marriage, especially in monogamous relationships over the long haul. And especially as culture shifts its perspectives on like what marriage is, what it matters and what doesn't matter. And should we have, you know, open relationships and should we be like, I don't even, I was going to say furries, but I don't even know what that is. So forgive me if that's a really inappropriate thing to say. I have no idea. I literally don't know what it means, but it was what popped in my head. Um, but it's challenging. It's really challenging to like know how to walk this out well. And so I invite you and I encourage you like re-listen to this episode if you need to and sort of dissect where things are falling apart in your relationship. If they're falling apart, if they're not air five, good job. But if they are, and you're struggling with intimacy in again, in a long-term monogamous relationship, Seth and I have been married for 18 years, um, monogamous ofs. But, um, if you're struggling with this stuff, like look at this and, and feel which one sort of, uh, pricks the most, like the one that goes, ah, God, stop. Like the one that you're like, you want to get away from, like after you have a baby and the doctor, like shoves his hand in your crotch and pushes down on your uterus and you want to punch someone in the skull like that. And the one that gives you that feeling, uh, think of that one as probably being the most important one to focus on. Start there, start at the one that hurts the most and then work your way backwards because all of these things can impact people in relationships and they're all worth looking into and thinking about and considering. So I hope that this episode has been helpful. If you liked this, we have loads more over on our Patreon site at um, patreon.com forward slash anatomy of us. We keep them in Patreon because we try not to share all of our um, bed experiences with the whole wide world. So they're like uh, there as a protective mechanism in a way, but it would be awesome if you supported us over there at patreon.com forward slash anatomy of us. Um, because that is, this is one of the ways that the show gets made. We are supporters are uh, like our inner group and it's awesome to have them there and it's awesome for your support. So thank you. So if you want to see more of this stuff, head over to patreon.com forward slash anatomy of us. And I love you. I hope this has been more than helpful. Please leave comments, share it, like it, all the things that you do if you enjoyed it. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to anatomy of us. This podcast is produced by my mom, Melanie Studley, and hosted by my dad, Seth Studley. Our show is edited and published by our producer, Reba Hansen, from Creative Media Support. Special thanks to our Patreon members that get an extra episode every week. Thanks for watching. Love you. Bye. Bye.